You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You're goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. It's called Pirate Radio. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzberg. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Diner, the flagship podcast for the GGR Pirate Radio Network. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am your host. I am also the editor-in-chief of our website. It is greatgeekrefuge.com. There's lots of great content there. There's articles, there's podcasts galore, everything for your viewing and listening pleasure. This podcast in particular is not a solo venture. At The Diner is a conglomerate of awesome people. I have two co-hosts with me who are equally talented, in fact, help fill in the gaps. We have one whole solid team that can get you all the geeky nerdy news that you need. Uh, First co-host is the guy who has been with us the longest now when it comes to the podcast airwaves. You know him, you love him. He's got his own solo joint. It is called The Overflow. Uh, His name is MC Brooks. (sighs) Sega, 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 when will you learn? Yeah, so the new Sonic game sucks, huh? On Switch, <laughs> apparently every everyone else is not having the buggy the buggy issues, but just just people on Switch. Just the but Switch, okay. Just yeah, but well, you know it's it's still it's still completely on brand that they would you know release something that that that's terrible. <laughs> Sega is the DCEU of video games. Yes, well, just with Sonic, yes. Okay, so Sonic is the DCEU of yeah. video games. <laughs> yeah. And that's on point because just like the DCEU can't do or won't do right by Superman, <laughs> Sega can't do right by Sonic. For some reason. There's a correlation there for some reason. Um, we've also got the professor because he is a fountain of knowledge when it comes to comic books, when it comes to movies, when it comes to most things media. Uh, he's also a very talented visual artist as well. His name is James Rambo. Nobody knows how eels fuck. That's a fact. Yes, because that's odd. Yeah, in fact, I, I'm not going to say I've researched it. I haven't been like out there with, you know, like 
a scuba tank like looking for them but like i've read about that before that like they know that they come like inland into rivers and they lay some eggs and then they go back out to the ocean but like they don't know the in-between there so yeah yeah the the going theory um is that all eels reproduce in the same place worldwide and that is the sargosa sea which is where the bermuda triangle is so eels at a certain point swim to the bermuda triangle something happens and more eels swim out they're friggin' pan-dimensional beings is what they are we don't know what their genitalia look like we have no idea how they reproduce in captivity or the wild eels are a fucking mystery like i've heard the same thing about octopus as well like octopi are apparently quite mysterious and they have all sorts of weird like properties that normal other living beings don't have and there's this going theory that they're actually aliens from another planet that have just lived on earth and procreated and are just happy to be here like some like their blood is different like just all sorts of crazy shit when it comes to octopus shit is wild it is indeed it is a wild world out there we are actually going to be talking about that wild world but in a more grounded sense we're going to be talking about sports a little bit here which normally not rambo's thing but (laughs) when it (laughs) when it comes to what we're going to be talking about it's very specific it was a documentary that's on netflix in fact you guys should watch it if you haven't seen it. it is called untold uh the malice at the palace so for those of you who are sports fans uh that are like older than shoot when did malice in the palace happen was that early it was early 2000s wasn't it 2004 yeah so you had to have been born last century, really, to be uh, to be able to appreciate this truly. But the Malice at the Palace was, and I still remember it happening, and it being a huge story. And, like, I don't remember having an opinion about it other than, like, wow, that shit was crazy uh, at the time. But, like, watching this documentary really, really puts it into an interesting perspective. So, you know what, MC... Kind of give us a little bit of background on this, and we'll kind of we'll kind of talk through it. So, for anybody who's unfamiliar with the documentary, first off, watch it. It's it's incredible because it's not just about like here's what happened and that's it. No, you get to see unprecedented video footage that's never been seen before that gives a whole new narrative to this. But also too, like there's background behind it. It wasn't just a oh well, this is just a, a spoiled players gone wrong and taking out their aggressions on innocent fans. Um, MC, kind of give me a little bit of background on this, too, since I think you were the first one to watch it. Uh, yeah. So the important thing to remember uh, with this documentary is, uh, one, like kind of where we were as a country when when all this was going on. So like, if we go back to like the early 2000s, um, in terms of like the in like one that, that was around the time that hip hop really was starting to like grow into like the the genre that we like that we know it now now to be where you know it's literally everywhere and part of everything but at, the, at that point we were really starting to see um a shift in terms of people realizing like oh this is not actually a fad like no this genre is actually going to like it's it's going to be here and what we started to see was uh, a bit more um a lot of fashion choices as far as like athletes uh, be heavily inspired by like what was going on, um, what was going on at, at that point too. 
And, you know, the NBA by, uh, at that point had most, I think had completely shifted. And it was like mostly a black league um, by that point, which obviously influenced kind of the, um, the way that it was, it, it was perceived. Um, so um, I'm trying to remember the point I was, I was going to get to. Um, so with, with those two teams in particular, if I remember correctly, oh man, I'm having a brain freeze right now. Well, like, it, are you talking about like the relationship between the, the Pistons and the uh, Pacers? Yes. Yeah. So like they already didn't like each other. And like, what was interesting about this too is like, it's throughout basketball, the only time the Detroit Pistons are good is when they fight people. So like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that okay, yeah. that's yeah, that's what I wanted to get to, yeah, because okay. I mean they they had, they had a history of that, you know, if you uh, people who are much older remember the Bad Boy Pistons yep. of uh, the late '80s and early '90s, the ones who you know beat up <laughs> beat up young Michael Jordan, you know, and and basically prevented him uh, from like becoming the the player we knew him to be, because Jordan could not get he could not get past those Pistons, you know. Um, uh, early, early in his career, and it really wasn't until those guys, um, uh, you know, were too old and whatnot that he ended up getting past them. But you know, as as Mike, as you mentioned, you know, they had a, they had a reputation, you know, and, and the NBA at that point was way more reckless. Like if you caught people swinging on each other in a game, like that was just normal. In fact, if you go back and look at highlights. Uh, quote defensive highlights from like the 80s and 90s it's literally people pushing people uh people cold cocking you know unsuspecting uh opponents you know uh full fights would would you know would with fists just you know going on like it, it would be pretty crazy it, it was it was very hockey like in, in some regard but for the most part it it always just kind of like was limited to the court and it's it, it basically kind of stayed there. The interesting thing is, you know, unlike hockey, you know, stuff like that did affect the NBA, the NBA's like reputation as opposed to like in hockey, where and if you catch people fighting, that's just part of the sport. And it's not it's not a, like a poor reflection of the people involved or anything like that. But, yeah, so the Pistons uh, were uh, like a really scrappy uh, team in those in. Um, in the early 2000s too, like they, they, they weren't very good, but they did surprise a lot of people because they did end up getting a lot of really interesting players. And, you know, that was kind of like, um, like if to draw an analogy, kind of how like the Washington football team was also known as like a running team for the longest time. The Pistons are a team that, you know, like that, that arena gets really rowdy. It's not, it's not a great place to play. If you're an if you're an opposing team, uh, excuse me. Uh, if you're on the opposing team, excuse me. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they had had quite a few run-ins uh, before the before the incident uh, that transpired on I think it was November nineteenth of uh, two thousand four. And um, I'm losing my point again. I'm having big good, brain parts today. I think we can I think we can kind of go back and forth with this. Like it's yeah. The thing that got me the most was that, like, one, I, I love, this is the era of basketball that I know the best. So, like, 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Like, I, I know that well. I don't really follow it as much as I used to. But, like, I remember <clears throat> this incident, as I mentioned before, and I remember thinking, 
oh man, this guy, our test is just bad news. Like he can't control this temper. He can't control this. He can't control that. And like this whole thing is a black eye on the, in the entire sport. And like watching this documentary, it really puts it into perspective how fucking racist our country is. And I say that watching this documentary and watching the way the media reacted to this because let me tell you they had no problem throwing out the word thug every five seconds with this mm -hmm. and no there was no i can't remember and like i, I honestly kind of hope they had done this at some point that they would have shown like that there was some media that was like look we're not getting the whole story with this okay because this was actually instigated by the fans nobody fucking said that you had dickheads up there almost exclusively white but there were some there were some black uh commentators who said the same thing that were just like well these guys are just spoiled thugs and they're spoiled yeah. this and this and this and this and i'm just watching this in retrospect and i'm just like fuck man we were toned up as shit yeah because it, yeah sorry go ahead i was gonna say it goes into that perception it goes into that perception of um well you know you are you guys are paid pretty well to play a children's game as they call it and so you know, if you have to deal with, you know, this, then you should just deal with it because you're I don't I don't I don't remember what NBA salaries were in the early 2000s, but I'm pretty sure they were making at the very least six figures to, to they play were, ball. They were making millions at that point. OK, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like it like, you know, the, the perception is, oh, yeah, you should you should be able to take all this verbal abuse and whatnot. You should be able to take all of this because, you know, we are we we are paying all this money and you're you're playing a game for a living. Yeah, you should take a full beer can thrown at you and hit you in the face and just do nothing. You are there to entertain us. And I want to get the uh, Rambo as somebody who's not a huge sports fan watching this documentary. I kind of want your perspective on this because it's going to be different than mine and MC's because we followed sports so exclusively. Like it kind of became background noise because this is also the time, the early 2000s, is when ESPN was king. Yeah. It was kind of expected for most guys to just be watching ESPN at all points. Like, that's that's what you do. Like, you watch ESPN, you watch SportsCenter, SportsCenter's on in the background. And it's very insidious in the way that, like, it become it permeates, like, what defines you. Like, oh, if you don't know things about sports, oh, well, then you're obviously not a man. And like, oh, you, you felt bad for the players? Well, obviously there's something wrong with you because we fans are entitled to be able to do these sorts of things. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But Rambo, kind of what was your perspective on this? Did you know about the Malice at the Palace before you watched this documentary? Uh, I don't think I'd heard the phrase. I knew, um, I knew that Ron Artest was a player. I knew that he, my, my perception was that he was just a consistently violent dude who was constantly starting fights, and I'm realizing that I'm uh, now that I'm confusing him with at least two or th two or three other people. Yeah. Um, I knew that he changed his name, and I knew that that became a very public joke. Uh, that this guy who was known for violence is now changed his last name to World Peace. Um, and yeah, that was that was about all I knew. I didn't. I don't know that I knew about the specific incident beyond. Uh, our test had gone into the stands at one point um, and got in a fight with somebody. Um, but yeah, this exemplifies all of the things that I detest about sports. Yeah. Um, it is, it brings out the worst in people who call themselves fans. 
Uh, it exploits um, people. I mean, like in, in, in Jermaine O'Neal's case, people as young as 17. Um, it puts an absurd amount of pressure on young people, particularly young black men, uh, who are expected to, um, you know, perform and, and be entertainers and, hey, we'll give you a lot of money, so suck it up. Um, it pits people against each other for literally no reason other than to make rich people richer. Um, yeah, I, I can keep going. It, it is, it, it's cartoonishly racist. Uh, it, it, uh, it brings out, I think, all of humanity's worst impulses sort of like condensed into a singular event. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I don't just not like sports. I actively dislike sports. I want to comment on that real quick because early two thousands, Mike was, was still in the army very much loved sports across the board because I thought it was like a great way to bring people together because there are times where it does do that. Like I can think of like um, right after nine 11, uh, the Yankees making the world series was a big deal for the, uh, for the city of New York um, after so much tragedy had happened. Now I'm not trying to discount your point and I want to make that clear. Okay. Because let me tell you again, 20 something Mike was, would have fought this and been like, Oh, but sports does all these positive things. Yada, yada, yada. Man, 30-something Mike is 100% on board with that because I have lost so much interest in sports across the board. Like, I can't even watch NFL games because, like, it just makes me feel gross and like a hypocrite because that's pretty much all they're doing right now, you know? Like, everything is about, like, well, uh, we're going to set these rules for COVID, Um across the board for the league and the players. Normally I was the, it was the other way around. I was in support of the players um, because like they're just trying to make a living, you know? And these guys are actively out there telling people that they're not gonna get vaccinated. Like these are supposed to be the, like the healthiest, most fit people on the planet. And you're gonna sit there and you're gonna say, oh, well, I don't know what's in it, so I'm not going to take it. Are you fucking insane? Like it's really, really hard to, to root for sports anymore after knowing all the things that we know and seeing hypocrisy at its finest on display every single Sunday or every single time there's a sporting event. Like it, it's it's just not, it's really hard to take it seriously anymore. So I agree. And additionally, seeing the way that fucking fans act, that's my biggest thing. I've talked about this before. It's really hard for me to identify with other people uh, in a fan group or a peer group when I see how disgusting they act. I, I think of the cornerback from the New Orleans Saints who missed a tackle against the Minnesota Vikings and the Vikings went on to win in shocking fashion a playoff game. And the guy getting oh, death Marcus threats. Marcus Williams, yeah. Marcus Williams getting death threats because he missed a, he missed a play. And keep in mind that year, I think he was only 21 or 22 at that point. He was really young when yeah. that happened. Hey, and, but you know what? I bought a jersey and you owe me your blood, sweat, and tears and perfection because I own a sports jersey because I like your team. Like that, that's some disgusting shit. And additionally, like, like Rambo said, it brings out all these horrible, like the worst in humanity sort of shit. And it's just yeah. like, it's, it's really gross. And it's like, especially too, like for a local uh, example, 
Uh, being a Washington football fan, man, I can't be a Washington football fan at all anymore because every single time I do, they're like, oh, who's, who's your team? And I tell them and they're like, oh, can you believe they changed that name? And I'm just like, yeah, I actually think it was oh, a really yeah. good idea because it was racist as fuck. And watching people's like, like squirm and like look at you like there's something wrong with you. And then yeah. they'll quote things like, well, they actually did a survey with Native Americans and they said that they weren't uh, offended. I'd be like, you mean the survey where they asked people who lived in Pennsylvania if they self-identified as a Native American? And they're like, well, yeah, I was born here. So I'm a Native American. I was like, those guys, the 90 yeah. percent approval rating for white people in Pennsylvania. I was like, yeah, because that's a really good source, dude. <laughs> and like they just look at me like I'm insane. And like I'm, I'm just not even willing to have the conversation anymore yeah. because that's it's not fucking worth it. Not to mention, not to mention, those same people think that they're being super rebellious because they're like, "Ha, huh, I went out and I still wear my skins jersey. I mm -hmm. still wear my hat with the logo on it. I, it's, I still, I still call them by the name. My Twitter name still has the name in it. They should just change the name back." Yeah, it's one of the places where racism is, is like sort of actively celebrated. Um, yep. And I, I, I have almost nothing good to say about sports in general um and that's that's before we even get to the players who like in some regards are absolutely victims like this is a great example uh malison palace is, is is a great example of these young men being taken advantage of and put into horrible positions um and preyed upon but there are yeah. so many garbage 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 humans who like ray lewis is a literal murderer um uh, uh, I mean, I, I, you, you know what? You guys could probably rattle off a whole list of people yeah. <laughs> who are domestic abusers and violent yeah. drunks and, um, uh, 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 you know, hardcore fucking maggots and like, you know, and they're looked at as heroes because they run fast and can catch a ball. It's yeah. the stupidest fucking thing. It makes me so goddamn angry. <laughs> it makes me so mad. I don't think you understand how angry I get about it. Oh no, I, because I, I yeah. do. I totally get it. Like every every fucking arts program gets cut consistently across the board nationwide while they build fucking stadiums for football players, and it I I don't have the words, and I'm not trying to shit on something you guys love, um, but it it just. For, it is for something... decades and decades and decades and decades, if you were an art kid, you were, um, you know what? I'm not even going to censor myself. If you were an art kid, you were gay. Yeah. If you weren't playing sports, you're gay. What's wrong with you? You're gay. Mm -hmm. if you, oh, I see. You're, you're lighting the loafers. They do that little wrist thing at you. Like it was a, it was a status symbol for alpha males. You had to be good at sports. You had to be great at sports. And if you weren't, you yep. were wrong. You were bad. And that's fucked up. And like, not only that, this is something that in the 21st century is still really fucking pervasive. Yeah. This no, is something that hasn't gone away. I mean, that for me, that was high school. Like yeah. I, I went to one of the biggest sports high schools like in the country. They have produced a number of athletes that have gone on to play professionally in all sports, NBA, NFL, baseball, hockey, soccer, tennis, like you name it. Right. And that's something that many of my friends like I, I was very fortunate that I myself was never bullied uh, in high school um, because I, I didn't play sports. I didn't play sports in, in high school and my friends didn't either. But 
my friends received a lot of that harassment and a, a lot of that negative shit from people from people there exactly what you described mike my friends who were into the arts who like to draw or do photography who they themselves may have liked sports but they did not play sports they were more interested in the arts or other things than actually playing or participating in it and especially manifested in something like gym class yeah yeah right yeah it's in retrospect it's disgusting I wish that I had had, I wish I knew, I wish I had known this and I wish I had like seen this when I was younger, but granted, we've talked about this before. Growth is important and to expect that you be perfect at all times is, is foolish. Like I know this now and I see this now and like, this is a perfect example. This Malice in the Palace uh, documentary is a perfect example of what is wrong with us as a culture because Ron Artest not only, he was having a career game. He was kicking the shit out of the Pistons. Like they were like he had some I think he had like 30 something points was just like all over the place. Like he was unstoppable. The Pistons couldn't do anything. Right. And at one point, the reason for the brawl was because he fouled somebody hard mm-hmm. and the person didn't like it. And the person person took exception to this. It, um, it, they were, they were like up by. Yeah, they were up by yeah, like 15. It, yeah. Yep. It was 97, 82. Yep. Yeah. They were up by 15 well, he was, points. And it was the end of the game for the record. There was under a minute left. It's the yeah. end of the game. It was a single foul. And he was goaded into doing it by his own teammate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to take that shit? No, not even yeah. that. Not even that. We're, we're, we're up. You can have your foul now. Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't even like, oh, did you see what he did? It was literally like, go fuck somebody up. Like well no well I I, I I think what he meant what what he meant by that is because uh usually in games when there's like big blowouts like that your starting players are generally not in at that point so what what they'll do is like hey just go do some like not not even a hard foul just do something stupid like smack someone on the hand so you can just get out the game I think yeah I think the, the intent was supposed to was supposed to be that but perhaps our test may have taken it the way that you said it. In terms of okay, well, I'm gonna hard foul this dude even though there's 40 seconds left. Well, because yeah. that's the other that's the other aspect of this too that like kind of gets lost in the shuffle with this is like that they had this team had these teams yeah. had history already, so like it's entirely possible that at one point he was still holding contempt from something that happened you know the la- the pre the previous year or earlier in the season where like Wallace f- uh, fouled him hard. But the bottom line is is like yeah. he fouled him. There was a little bit of a tussle, but like ultimately, it got under control with the players. Like yeah, I don't know, which is like, which is not which is normally how it goes. Like yeah. I mean, like anyone who's played any type of competitive thing, anyway, like you you know that it's a game of emotions. Like like you're you're going to get frustrated o- over the course of of a game, but like it's going to happen. But by and large, you know you you're able like you'll be frustrated, but you're like all right, I'm gonna like tone it down. Like it doesn't need to get to the next level like yeah i'll be angry at him i mean and 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 like we've we've seen it we've seen people fight on the court and then like photos would come out and they're at the bar hanging out like an hour later like nothing like nothing is wrong like sometimes emotions like and and would not just just run hot but like like you said like normally uh, it just it gets under control and for a while like for a time it was it was under control yeah and like that, that's the thing that's lost in this is the narrative always was 
oh, the players are thugs. This was all player driven and they were the ones that caused this problem. No, watch this goddamn documentary and you will see the video proof that it was instigated by fans. And in the beginning, the very beginning to set the tone, they're like, yeah, we had some really, really rowdy fans who we were going to take their season tickets from them at the end of the year. Like, that's what was that's what blew my mind. And they still let these drunk assholes back into the stadium. Yeah, and, and it is important to note too that this is the this is the first time that the players have been able to actually like talk like provide their narrative on this. Like they they've uh, like uh, um, Stephen Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal like they've all done like separate like kind of one off conversations about it. This is the first time that like in terms of a piece of media that they've been able to actually tell the the full story. And the NBA for for like the NBA for the longest time had actually blocked the footage from being used, which is why a documentary like this couldn't have been made even like two years ago, because the NBA was not was not going to allow anyone access to the footage to actually do a deep dive on this. Can you like just think about that for a second, though? Think about how fucked up that is. You can't see the full footage. Why? Why can't we see what actually happened? Because that's the thing is they created a narrative. They made it the player's fault. And like ultimately, like the thing that baffles me about this is, do you know how easy this would have been to just been like there were some really, really asshole fans in this stadium that started this shit? Yes, they shouldn't have gone into the crowd and they will be suspended for a week. That should have been the appropriate response. You can't do then, this. But at the same time, that one motherfucker came on the, the asshole came on. The asshole came on the court. Fucking Chris, not Chris, Charlie Haddad. Charlie Haddad came down and tried to square up with Ron Artest. He had like a fucking foot on him and like 30 or 40 pounds. And he you actually see him like pump his shoulders like he's getting ready to fucking fight. Dude, you are going to be destroyed. What do you think is going to happen? You really have some fucking ego. And then they cut to him and he's like, you know, well, they really lost a, a good fan here. No, they lost a fucking asshole who was yeah. being a dickhead at all times. And yeah, like, like you said, the fact that they were going to, to um, yeah, that's the thing they reveal real early on is there were a bunch of fans, Haddad being one of them, who were consistent, who were season ticket holders, who were consistently rowdy, they would get drunk and act like assholes, and they were gonna strip their season tickets. And instead of just doing it before the game, independent of the, of the they let them come in, take their seats, watch the game, and then they were gonna be like, oh, uh, yeah, you can't come back. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. Why even do that? What what is to be gained there? There's it just it's just fucking foolishness. Which honestly, I I am a little suspicious of that, like that moment in the dock, because that only seems like it's there to act as like a CYA for the stadium. Like, oh yeah, by the way, we were gonna do this. Like, what what? <laughs> like why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> the palace at Auburn Hills is now just a giant pile of rubble. So no, you're good. Yeah, good point. So yeah, there's no, there, there's no reason for them to try and protect it. So I don't know. It just it just struck me as very weird. It's it's the same thing as so anybody who's from this area who knows anybody that went to Virginia Tech. 
Um, we'll talk about the incident at Virginia Tech where the the shooter killed, I can't even remember how many people, I wanna say it was like 33 people. And they'll talk about it, how it was this outright tragedy, tragedy and how everything was bad and everything was wrong and it was just awful and this, this crazed human did this. I just wanna remind everybody that the Montgomery County, that's where Blacksburg is, it's in Montgomery County in Virginia. The Montgomery County Sheriff's Office knew about this guy, had gotten multiple warnings about this guy. This kid had gone to uh, court about this, about stalking a woman. And you wanna know what they said consistently? Ah, it's not that big a deal. He goes to tech, he can't be a bad kid. They did nothing. They did dick with all of these warnings that they got. Do you now see why women can't trust men? Like if you didn't see it before, they give they they give countless, countless stories of how they were abused, how they were mistreated, how they were stalked, how they were like abused. And what do we do about it? Ah, he's a good kid, let him go. Like this shit happens all the time. Malice at the Palace is another great example. Ah, they're just real passionate fans. Like what kind of horse shit is that? Mm-hmm. These guys are drunk assholes who once you get a couple of beers in them, they just become unruly. And that's yeah. the worst part about this is, is not only was it them, you can also hear it from people like Ben Wallace. When Ben Wallace was like, oh, it was disrespectful that he laid down on the scorer's table. He laid down on the scorer's table table because that was a um, a coping mechanism that his therapist had taught him. Mm-hmm. And like – it was almost and, done uh, until God. he got hit with that beer. Go ahead, Rambo. Yeah, it's it, it it's but it's it, that, like that kind of shit too. Everything is sacred. Everything is sacred. Like fucking you know in a hockey uh, a hockey locker room. Don't step on the don't step on the fucking logo. Suck my dick. Are you kidding me with this shit? It is so stupid. It <laughs> makes me so angry. It's 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 full of superstition and it's full of. Just absolute nonsense. There's so much foolishness. It it just it just goes back to all the worst parts of humanity. I, I understand that it brings some people together, and I understand that for some people it's really fucking important. And for those people, you should stop listening to this podcast, at least this episode, because I don't fucking care. It's so goddamn dumb. It's dangerous. It encourages people to be their worst. And I, I mean, literally every single person involved in sports are encouraged to be the worst versions of themselves. There is a narrative that is sold that it is um, so positive, and it's it's uh, really just about like building champions and encouraging uh, 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 competition. Competition for what? Competition for the space race? Competition for building infrastructure? No, competition for competition's sake. It just makes more. It, it, it's just a fucking cycle. And Ben Wallace's reaction to that, to, to Ron Artest, like going and laying down, like, was it a weird thing to do? Yeah, it was strange. It was odd. But he immediately took it as like, and, 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 and even still was like, it's disrespectful. What do you, how? Why? Why is the storage table, why is that like a fucking altar? Why because is that you won't some, fight like, me. Like, because what, you won't and, fight me, because you won't punch me, because I can't punch you. That's what it well, boils down about, to, man. The thing about Ben Wallace, and, and that they reference, and, and it, it happens real quick, is Wallace's brother had died like a week beforehand. Yeah. So he's playing not just as like, okay, well, we're going to be playing this team that we have this like you know given rivalry with, but he's playing filled with anger and grief and rage over the death of a loved one. Like... That is a, like further input. Basically, the the fact that there were all these things happening, all these things coming together in this perfect storm, 
it makes a lot of sense why what happened happened. Yeah. But so much of it comes back to just really asking of people to to lean into the worst aspects of themselves. And, you know, the the you know, Mike, you, you talking about the whole like, oh well boys will be boys kind of shit. Well, maybe if men weren't, you know, trained to not deal with their emotions, um, that the only emotion they're allowed to show is anger uh, and violence. Um, maybe we could have a conversation about stuff. Maybe you could uh, talk about the fact that you feel sad a lot and you don't know how to deal with it. Like a lot of what Ron Artest was going through and dealing with came back. And like, that's, I think it was uh, uh, Jamal Tinsley is the one who was like, you know, go ahead and take your, your, uh, uh, your foul. I think that Artest responded the way he did because he had basically just been seen as like a fucking like a, a like a dog on a chain. Like he was the guy who was just there to fuck people up. And yeah, he was an enforcer. Yeah. yeah. And he had been making this you know, he like it was his literal job. And he had been making these like breakthroughs in therapy and working toward being just a better person in general. And then he gets this like snide remark from his teammate, which again, maybe was, you know, you know, not, it didn't carry the weight that it was meant to, or it, it, it didn't mean to carry the weight that it did. But it's not just like, you know, uh, uh, like, haha, fuck you. It's that from someone who he feels like he's safe with. And then it's like, nope, you are still just a fucking enforcer. That's your fucking job. Go do it. And so, yeah, he's going to react a lot harder than he might normally, particularly because he is getting closer to not having to deal with that anymore. Like there's one of the things I took from 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 this documentary was the shame and the pain and the 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 feeling of like cowardice that he feels and still like still does about that um that's fucking heartbreaking man we talked we talked about um and and i i understand that there's some nuance to it but when he went to the lakers and then ended up winning a championship they had an interview with him and they were like you know you've come so far what's it feel like to be a champion and he opens the fuck up and says, you know, I felt like a coward. I felt like I betrayed all my friends, I, 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 my teammates. I, I feel like a traitor. I still feel that every single day. He literally opened up emotionally. And those guys were just like, huh, okay, all right, let's move on to the next thing. Like, do you have any idea how fucking crushing that must have been to him? To be like, I'm opening up myself to the entire world to watch. Because this is on live television right after a championship. So all of Los Angeles is watching. Any Los Angeles Laker transplants that are across the country are watching this shit too. I'm telling you about my emotional weaknesses. And you're telling me like, okay, let's move on and talk about how great it's going to be to party in LA. Like, zero zero sympathy, zero empathy. Like nobody gave a fuck that this guy had emotions. Hey, you're not rebounding and you're not scoring points right now, Ron. We don't give a fuck what you have to say. Like, I, oh God, that made me so fucking angry. Like, I, I totally understand why that makes you upset. Um, I, my take on that was not so much like, you know, fucking shut up and do your job. Like we, it was, it was like, do was expecting a simple soundbite 
that they'd heard. Um, there's a, there's a joke in Varsity Blues, which ironically is one of my favorite movies, um, <laughs> <laughs> about like the the you know the standard soundbite shit that um, that uh, uh, football players and just like you know sports players in general uh, have. And then um, and I think like like Mox makes fun of. Um, uh, Lance earlier on about it, and then when Mox is the is the quarterback, he has all the same lines, and so the the reporter is expecting like give me one or two things that we can then use and rerun in highlights, and instead he get a very honest, um, like info dump, just stream of consciousness feet of like it, it, it's the it's the difference between when you ask some, when you just greet someone, say, "Hey, how you doing?" You're expecting fine, and instead they say, um, "I'm having a really hard time. I uh, I had a, I wasn't able to get out of bed yesterday, and um, I think my cat's gonna die." And you're like, "Whoa, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. I I was I was being polite, um, but there definitely is something to." Uh, the the fact that like yeah men aren't supposed to show emotion unless it's anger we only celebrate angry men uh, which encourages more angry men um, and in the moment Ron Artest is just being totally honest about how like yeah this is a victory but it feels really empty like really hollow um, I don't know how to react to this uh, beyond to say I feel like a coward and they're like you um what why 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 are you no man you're supposed to be happy right now why aren't you happy we need you to be happy um and yeah no that it, it, again great example of all of the kind of problems with um sports and sports reporting and uh the whole of that perspective and like yeah it this whole thing was sad as fuck man yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was so depressing. I yeah, I had a couple questions though, um, like like specific sports questions. So Jermaine O'Neal uh, was the interior defender. Ron Artest was the perimeter defender. What is the difference? Um, Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, so if you imagine the basketball court, uh, interior defender is basically right around where the hoop is. So. He his main job is to make sure if if anyone tries to come like close to the hoop, like you know you defend them. You you try to make sure they don't get a shot up. Artez being a perimeter defender means he's further away from the basket. Okay. So he 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 he. There are times where he may follow someone to the basket, but for the most part, he's guarding people out near the the three point line or people who are just generally further away from the basket. So like first line of defense, final line of defense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And I was got, trying to good. I was going to say there's basically like two styles of player that you have in the NBA where you've got your guys who are going to go in close and dunk. So think of like Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal is not an, a perimeter player at all. Yeah. Um, get the ball in close, dunk on people. That was yeah. Shaq's job. Um, whereas somebody like Kobe, Reggie Miller. Yeah. yeah Reggie, or well, Reggie Miller. Miller. Yeah. Perfect Reggie example. Miller. Reggie, Reggie Miller was a, was a perimeter guy. Reggie Miller was the guy who was going to shoot from the outside and like ruin your day because he was just draining shots over you. Um, that's why you have to have two different style of, of defender essentially is what it comes down to. And yeah, yeah. so that that's, yeah, that's kind of the basics of it. 
So the other thing was I was trying to read up on goaltending. And okay. that shit, shit seems complicated as fuck. Like these the minor degrees between what is and isn't considered goaltending. Can y'all give any like yeah. background on that? <laughs> like it seems like like really, really small differences. Yeah, so basically, uh if like you're able to block the shot as long as the ball is ascending. If the ball is descending, you cannot block the shot. That, that's kind of that it'll be called goaltending. So um sure. so yeah, so if you so like someone who gets close to the rim, if, when they throw the ball up, you can you can hit it. But if it hits if it already hits off the backboard or already starts to come down, you can't touch it. Otherwise it'll it's automatic goaltending, regardless of whether or not it will um whether or not it would have gone in or not. Okay. Um, also, if they uh, by the same thing, if it hits the if like, if it already hits the backboard, you can't touch it. Or, or excuse me, you can't like not you can't knock it away. So like so, um, once it knocks off the backboard, if it's starting to come down, same thing, can't touch it unless it's not unless it's not over the rim, which is the other thing too. If the ball is over top of the rim then you can't touch it. If it is, you know, halfway out or like not, or, or like away from it, then hey, fair game. Um, and, and, and goal to, and goaltending can go both ways too. So like if, if I, if Mike shoots a shot, right. And the ball is like, right. Um, how do I explain this? If it's like hovering over top of the rim and it's about, it could potentially go in, I can't touch it or else it'll, It'll be goaltending, yeah. offensive goaltending. Okay. Are you so confused? Like, so, yeah. So like, it should be because it's confusing. No, 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 no. It, no, it <laughs> is. It, it, it is very tedious because you also have stuff like the alley oop play, which, yeah. yeah, like, which is okay as long as the ball is not going directly into the rim. Like, if if because on some level they also measure intent. So like, if if. You know, someone who is just lazily just kind of chucking the ball up. Then the assumption is that's not an actual shot, so they they wouldn't call goaltending if your teammate just comes and just like grabs it and slams it in. Like the intent is uh, on some level to pass, so like you don't really see goaltending with something like that. Yeah. But it is it is it is very tedious, and you know we I mean like with anything you get a ton of really bad. Um, uh, like really bad examples of just like stuff that shouldn't be or stuff that is technically like letter of the law. Like, okay. Yeah. Because this happened, like, yes, it is actually goaltending, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's dumb. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's whatever. I mean, like ultimately the thing that, that pissed me off the most about this documentary is that like, we now acknowledge that mental health is really important. And being reminded how unimportant it is to so many people is it, it's sad. That was the perfect word to describe it, Rambo, is it's sad. Like, it wasn't just Ron Artest. It wasn't just him. It wasn't like he did something wrong, but he was made to feel like he did. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, like, I feel like. And it becomes a racist thing, honestly. 
like oh oh the, the the black guy's not doing exactly what he's supposed to do the only things that they're that they should be doing is playing sports and being grateful that that they were yeah. given the opportunity to do that and that just ooh man that just really really irked me and like all the hot takes from all those guys where they were like mm-hmm. well these guys just need to shut up and play they're all just a bunch of spoiled billionaires and it's just like but first first off whitey mcwhiterson who's saying this like like <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about dude cuz like that's not the case at all like and that's the other thing too is it becomes this systemic like issue where it's not just about just those things these guys feel like this is their only way out a lot of times this is their only way out of a horrible situation growing up like a lot of them say this like i either needed to be a rapper or i needed to be a professional athlete because that's their only way out of a horrible situation to help take care of their yeah. families but and yeah like, yeah because i mean imagine you're 18 years old 18 19 years old you get drafted to go play and you know like you are you know like a month removed from having to raise your hand to have to go to the bathroom in yeah. class <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like oh hey by the way fam here's 10 million dollars oh know? by the and, way we're not going to give you any financial literacy courses or anything like that just yeah. figure the shit out on your own brother yeah what, there what, were some because there's yeah and, and there's a um there's a uh, another great documentary called broke uh, that came that was a it came out a few yeah. years ago which actually taught that t- speaks specifically about that like what exactly happens that causes these athletes who are you know getting you know making these millions upon millions of dollars like how like how do they end up losing it all how does how do they end up you know on the streets or having to like work really shitty jobs later in life because they squandered you know the millions and millions that they that they made um in their careers um uh, crap i lost my point that quickly no Um, that's it's a good point like alan iverson like rambo you know who alan iverson is right oh yeah you would think alan iverson would be like a millionaire still right you would think (laughs) no broke his shit Jesus Christ. And it's yeah. not like and that's the thing is everybody wants to blame him. Everybody wants to say, oh, well, this is his fault because obviously he didn't do something correctly. He had all of this money. He should have invested it. Who taught him how to invest? Yeah, exactly. Like but, but, on, the, on the one hand, also, yes, it is his I was gonna fault. Say, on also, the other hand, like, no. <laughs> yeah. And also that's something that comes up in the broke documentary, which is a lot. A lot of these athletes do and do invest things. It's just what they pour their money into ends up like. Uh, going bankrupt or like yeah. it fails yeah and you know like like no one does like, like no one really mentions like oh yeah pour all your money into this thing and then this thing goes you know they've squandered like half a million dollars into something that you know ended up not working out which is one of the one of the contributing factors because it's not like it's not like athlete a lot of athletes don't try to to do stuff like that a lot of times it just doesn't it really just doesn't work out and you know the the also unfortunate thing is unless you're like a an average to superstar player like your time in these leagues is not very long nope. you know a, a lot a lot of these guys are not in they, they don't get they don't stay in these leagues for very long like the nfl i think the the average median uh career is like like two and a half years i think yeah. two and a half to three years or something like that and and even like those bottom of the barrel guys are I mean they're they're making money that I would I would love to make you know I would love to just you know be making eighty eighty thousand dollars to just kind of hang out on the back end of a roster, right, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know like 
it, it, you know, they they try to make the most of what they what they can, but they ultimately end up are having to go do other things because the other thing too, and this is specifically an NFL thing, is that in the NFL, you know, uh, contracts are not guaranteed. So, like, you may get an eighty thousand dollar contract, but you might not even see a, a, an eighth of that if a team decides to get rid of you. Versus other leagues where you know money is a bit more guaranteed, but like I said, a lot of guys don't end up sticking around for very long. So even if they make you know a couple thousand or even like a, a million, um, you know, if without any adequate you know financial literacy, you know, it's very easy to see how that can that can get squandered and 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 and, and turn into nothing. Yeah, it just becomes 100%. a thing. It just becomes a thing of. And like I guarantee, well, no, I don't. I don't think our our listeners would do this. But like, I guarantee you that there are people out there who are probably rolling their eyes right now when we say how racist these systems are. Oh well, they're given a golden opportunity to play a kid's game and get paid for it. Yeah. So that means that they shouldn't be able to have a career after this. This means that they shouldn't be taught how to properly handle your finances. You want to know who else doesn't know how to handle their finances? Fucking ninety percent of the goddamn country. Yeah. Most people have no clue, zero clue on how to manage their finances. Like none of us are taught this. Like it's a failing in the public school system. It's a public like in college. Why is this not a mandatory course? You're an adult now. Let's teach you how to manage your finances. Nobody fucking cares about that. And like it just it's it's literally why I've gotten to the point where I just I can't in good faith watch sports anymore. Like I'll watch a baseball game every now and then. I still of all the sports, I still follow hockey pretty closely. And honestly, like even that, like I can't follow it that much because it just, it wears on you. It's just like, how can I care? You know, like these guys are, are, are getting paid a lot of money. These owners are getting paid a lot of money. And like, it's that's all it's about. It's only about revenue. They don't care about the, the player's safety. Hey, um, COVID is really, really dangerous and you guys probably shouldn't be playing right now, but, um, we got to make money, so we're gonna send you back. Uh, send you back out there, um, even though not everybody is vaccinated. Like how fuck that that is dangerous as shit, and nobody seems to care. Oh, these players are spoiled. They should be playing. Why? Because you're not entertained. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the problem that I have with this is the entitlement that fans have. That fans think that players owe them something. Yeah. And like it's just it's it's, it's disgusting. And, and it's the fr- it's the thing I get most frustrated with because whenever there are disputes between players and in an organization, also like fans tend to generally always side with the organization, and they never really have an excuse as to why they side with it, other than they just they they feel entitled to these players. Like, oh, I pay your salary, I'm paying for these season tickets. And that money is going to pay is, is going to pay your salary, which turns out is not even true. Nope. <laughs> to be honest, it's not it's not even true. You could like fan, fans could not show up, and the the onus would still be on owners to to pay 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 to to pay players. But it gets it gets it does it gets really frustrating because fans never tend to sympath. They, I mean, and and this is true as true now as it was with Malice in the Palace, which is they don't sympathize with players at all. And part of it uh, stems from not really viewing them as human. You don't, you don't, you don't value their humanity. You value the fact they can dribble a ball, they can throw a ball, they can run really fast, they can jump really high. 
you know, they'll, they can, they, they'll have a play here and there that will, that will, you know, be etched in your memory for, for, for so on and so forth. You know, they, that they exist for the sole purpose of entertaining them. Like none of the other stuff matters. And that it's, it's frustrating because that should not be the case No, because we, we, I mean, there's, there should be more of an investment into, uh, into that. And fans should understand like, these are like, these are, these are people, you know, like these are, these are young, these are young people. These are older people. These are people from all different walks of life. And like, yes, it's great that they can do all of these amazing feats that I myself, you know, wish I could do on some level. Um, but yeah, like they—that's th- not all of who they are, and like you don't need to denigrate them or talk shit about them or or call them spoiled or all of these other things just because that's what they do for a living, or, or just because you as a fan, you know, cheer for them because they happen to have on the colors and 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 represent somewhere you're from. Yeah. And it's you know honestly um, we are guilty of it in a certain certain degree. Um, oh, one thousand percent. With Bryce Harper, we were like, oh, he's dead to me. Like you know, but I think that that's the other part of this is that like I've seen it in myself, and like I started thinking about it, and I was like, you know, it really sucks. I was really hoping that he would be here for a good long while. Like he was the guy, you know, he was the guy that we all rooted for, that we hoped was going to be the, the savior for DC. We ended up winning a championship, anyways. I say we like I was part of the team, um, but like the D.C. area was able to see their baseball team win a championship. And that was awesome. And ultimately, he chose to go a different direction. And that's his right. You know, cool. Good for him. And honestly, this year, I've kind of been rooting for him. I hope he has a great career because, you know, Philly's a kind of a fucking awesome city. And like I'm trying to get out of that old school mindset of, oh, well, um, you no longer wear the same colors that you wore before and your number is different and you don't play for my team that I like and my team is the best and the, and, and therefore you are bad. No, nah, that's such bullshit, man. And like, it's the same thing with people who are like, I don't like this football team because they are the rival of my football team. Like, they're not owned by some rich white douchebag. Like the only like the only major difference between them isn't the colors of their uniform and the logo on their helmet. They're the same fucking thing. And, like, it's just hilarious when, like, people will say, well, I'm a Washington football fan. I can't stand Dallas. Why? Because they suck, too. Like, well, yeah. I hate to break it. I hate to break it to Cowboys fans and Washington football fans, but y'all ain't that much different. Your teams are identical in the sense that, like, they haven't won anything since the 90s. And and the fan bases for both teams are completely delusional. Oh, we're only a player away. Yeah. <laughs> OK. All right. Sure thing, bud. Like. You're both owned by rich white assholes who don't give a shit about you at all. But somehow, because somebody wears a star in their helmet, that makes them bad because that team is bad. Okay, sure. Yes. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That is exactly it. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I am not willing to bend on this. That is a fact. Man, what is that meme? What's that meme? Man, he's spitting fire. Like that's me. Like, they're MF bad spin. because they play in Dallas. Yeah, this exactly. MF spin. Yeah, yes, exactly. That's exactly it. It's it's again. It just it's so fucking silly. Yeah. And like I I understand that y'all might take umbrage with the you know plays a game for kids, um, but I, I I mean it as an insult. They do play a game for kids. I I. 
it 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 really infuriates me how much time and effort and money and how, like the tax breaks that uh, uh, that rich people and corporations get for building stadiums. It's fucking infuriating. Um, and I, I, I just don't have the patience for it. I, I don't have, um, the, the, it, it's, it's beyond the point of like, I don't have the love for it. Um, it is a celebration of the worst parts of people. I keep saying the same shit over and over again. I, I understand that. You're good, dude. Um, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's super frustrating, even for people who are sports fans, because, like, that's the other thing, too, man. I said something about it the other day, and somebody was like, oh, you're one of those woke fans. And I almost choked the shit out of this dude, because it was like, that's all, that's all this is to you? This is a fucking joke. I get it. Okay. Like, other people being concerned about the health and well-being of others is, is something that is a punchline for you. And that's just fucking sad that that's all you can see is this. People, actual human beings and their well-being is not worth being concerned about because they're not scoring touchdowns and they're not making you happy while you're drunk as shit. But you don't want to admit that, do you? The So I, I know a little bit about this. There's something along the lines of like, I think it's the Packers are one of the only teams that are not owned by like a corporation. They're owned by the fans. Like there's some kind of like, yeah. um, like profit sharing thing or, or something along Basically, those lines. You can own, you can own like a piece of the team more or less is what it is. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, but beyond that, like, you know, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong. Every other team is owned by either one person or some corporation. Yeah. Nope. Um, yeah. Good for Bryce Harper. Good for him for for being like, oh, someone has a better offer. I'm gonna go there because corporations do not care about you. They only care about what you can provide for them. That's it. Yep. And the I mean, like all three of us either do or have worked for large corporations. Huh? Fucking still do. And. <laughs> They do not give a fuck. About, like, if we died tomorrow, they would yep. replace us on Tuesday. Yep. And the idea that Bryce Harper or, or I remember when fucking, like, all that shit happened with LeBron James. But, oh, he should be loyal to his team. Why? Yep. Why the fuck should he? Who gives a shit? This doesn't... It, we're not at a point where, like, that's the thing that I have never understood. I mean, I, I get it, but I don't get it. If, okay, so you're a Dallas fan. Um, why are why are you okay with any of the players on your team not being from Dallas? Not just living there, being born there, being raised there. This is a team made of Dallas uh, 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 natives. Why is that okay? Oh, because winning is the most important thing. Yep. Like that's fucking ridiculous yeah. to me. Like that. That blows. It's like. Go ahead. I was gonna say uh, LeBron is actually a really good example because a big reason of why so many people hate him is because he basically inspired other players to be like, "Yeah, why are we being loyal? What the fuck? I'm gonna do what's best for me." 
And, fa- and fans hate that shit. Fans and like people in in uh, who work for these organizations, they hate that shit. They they hate they hate that uh, players are realizing. Yeah, no, people are not coming to see the old crusty white men sitting in the box. No, they're coming to see us. I'm the draw here. Fuck, fuck this. I have all the power. I'm gonna do what's best for me, regardless of how anyone else feels about it. You yes. know, and and and, and like it's it's been it's been really it's been really great to see because you you see it really expand over the last decade you really see it expanding with players now being like oh yeah no fuck this i i'm not working that you want to you think i'm gonna sit here and 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 do my job under shitty conditions because you're giving me all this money no fuck that Uh, i'm getting my start so i i i have this obligation to you no you don't yeah no no. they didn't bring in some guy who couldn't play the game and train him and, and teach him how to do it. They recognized your skill and ability from the beginning. That's why you got fucking hired. Yep. Like, fucking live the communist yep. ideal. Seize the means of production. Like, yep. That, which is also why a lot of these players have also, like, LeBron started a media company just so, like, hit, like no, no other media or whomever can ever twist the narrative. When he has something he wants to say, Boom! I can I can control how it comes out, when it comes out, and how it's received by people, and awesome. and that that did not used to be the case, especially in 2004, which is a big reason. It was yeah. a big reason why you know that all the narratives and everything surrounding those players you know persisted for as long as they did, and why now in 2021 we were able to finally get this documentary. You know, the players finally had an outlet to say something and really get this thing out there. And we're seeing uh, a, a lot, lot more of that. And it really and it really is a generational thing in terms of the people who hate LeBron James for doing that, because, you know, they they grew up in the time where players literally, you know, didn't have any control over what messages got put out into into the media or how they were perceived. They didn't have a voice or a choice. And now athletes are like, oh no, 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 no. I I I have the power here, sir. I'm I'm gonna do what's best for me, do what's best for my family. If that means refusing to play until I get the things I want, cool. That means taking, you know, packing up and, and going elsewhere, cool. I'm gonna do that. And and I would love to hear those same those same fans who would cry foul about, you know. A player being a, play, a player that you know they're they're that's on their local team being traded away and how horrible, horrible that is. Yeah. Well, obviously, then they're also incensed when a great player from another place gets added to their new team. Yeah. Aren't they just horribly offended that this person would leave where they were from? No. Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> they're fucking jazz. They're welcome, so friend. Excited. Yeah. You were my enemy here. 60 seconds ago, but welcome, friend. Uh-huh. Yeah, and w- which is which is another thing too, is that like a lot of this sports shit is literally like WWE stuff, like all all of the drama and like all this WWE performative bullshit. Because yeah. all because all these people, like I said, all these people hang out like outside like outside of the field. Like I said, you'll see people get in each other's faces and be really angry at each other, and then afterwards they'll be partying at the same club. Like uh, I want to say, it was a there was a photo from a couple years ago. I forget which team which team won the title, but um, they saw like 
Uh, actually, it might no, it wasn't last year. It was pre-pandemic. But there was some team. It may have been like the Warrior. The, one of the years the Warriors won the title, and then like also in the like in the same place, like partying with them, were like members of the team who had literally just lost. Like I said, like it's not it's not a thing of these people actually having beef. They're 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 all friends, you know. Yeah. They're all they they yeah. all hang out. You know, they they all go to each other's. Go to, go to each other's like family events and shit. And why the fuck shouldn't they? They yeah. all work together. Yeah, that's why it's like it's, it's, <laughs> that's why I'm like I just don't I don't understand like I like I like I I play like I play up the like with the Dallas thing like I I play up the fact that um that you know, I dislike Dallas and whatnot. But truth be told, like uh, a family friend of mine's son plays for the Cowboys and like. As much as I jokingly, you know, don't root, uh, don't root for the Cowboys or anything. Like, hey, good for him. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm happy he's doing the thing he likes, and so on and so forth. Like, it, it makes no, it, it, it literally just makes no sense for for fans to get as upset and take this shit as serious. Which is why, like, people fighting in the stands is always hilarious to me. Like, what the fuck is happening that's so that's got you so riled up that you are willing to fight? I'm not that. I'm not like this team. team. I can't yeah. believe you like this team. They're bad and wrong because I don't like the color blue. Like, yeah. fuck off, I don't, man. Like, really? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that. I, I, like, honestly, that's the one thing I don't miss about going to stadiums is people people being assholes just because. Like, I'll jokingly talk trash to someone, but like, I'm not. I, I'm not actually invested into like trying to make you feel bad for liking your team. Like, yeah. I don't care. I don't. I don't. I don't care that much. Yeah, the whole thing is just so fucking stupid. It really is. Like, oh man, yeah. just the the level of of stupidity just just blows my mind. Because, yeah, and 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 people just lap it up. And we were talking about it before. It's the same shit with the fucking pandemic. It's no different. Like, oh well, this person said that that this was the thing that was happening, so I have to listen to them, even though they're not qualified in any way, shape, or form. I just like the thing that they said fucking what like yeah. <laughs> that's your justification that's why this is okay are you serious like people don't give a shit and it's and it's pathetic and like not willing to think outside of their box i've been told that the new york giants are bad and i should hate them because of that that's a really dumb reason not to like a football team like who cares what if you were born in new york instead of being born in the dc area you'd be a giants fan like yep. your your attachment to a Washington football team is not a moral choice. It is a locality choice. It's, it's up there with, you know, oh, I found my soulmate. Oh man, super fucking fortunate that they happen to live within 10 miles of you. Ah, what are the odds? It looks crazy. That's nuts, super man. wild. Um, all right, so <laughs> there, there are some, like the actual construction of this documentary, there's some stuff that I thought was really impressive. Yeah. Um, so before I even say anything about it, is is Reggie Miller being filmed in front of his own awards? Yes. Those, are those all his? Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if they were, which would make total sense, or if they were like, we're going to shoot you in front of this high school trophy case. <laughs> Because that's what it looks like. I mean, and I totally fucking get it. Man had, well, like an 18, 19-year career. Yeah. Um, 
and was a fucking exemplary player for pretty much the entire time. Probably it one makes of the best, the sense. best shooters of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah. But there's this, there's this visual of like this very conscious choice to, to, to frame the shots with him like that to, to like, I, I honestly can't tell now if my brain is making this up or not, but I felt like there was this slight, um, uh, angle looking up at him to make him look even bigger than he oh, actually was. That's that's on purpose because don't yeah. you know, didn't you notice how they were like deifying him? I mean, like yeah. Reggie Miller you know, is great. 100%. Reggie Miller can do yeah. no wrong. Reggie Miller is the greatest, and he's an exemplary player, and he's the hero, and he yeah, like because yeah. notice never once did anybody talk shit about Reggie Miller in that documentary. No. Nope. Yeah. But it's also because it's a player. It's it's a player run thing too, which is which is also which is also part of it. So yeah. like the, the like you have to take into account because the players are uh, are you know all in on putting this thing together. They're not going to demonize one of their own unless it's like completely warranted. Much like uh, like with the Last Dance, like there are a lot of really convenient things about Michael Jordan over the course of his career that were just happened to not get mentioned. You know, in, in that yeah, documentary, cause he yeah, was, exactly. Because yeah. ESPN, it just like just sucks at the teat of Michael Jordan and would yeah. never do anything to offend him. Yeah. So of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this like it's a, who like who the the narr- like who's putting it together is always like you know important to remember with that. So like the Reggie Miller thing is not is not surprising. <laughs> yeah, the, I do. I noticed that too, though, Rambo, because you had mentioned it, and I watched it a second time, and the second time I watched it. I really picked up on that stuff because it was it wasn't it wasn't so much that it was subtle, but like the first time into it, I was like, all right, just get to the details. But then I started noticing the way that they did it, that like they're in that gym. Right. And on the scoreboard is the score of the game and how much time was left when that fight started, basically framing the whole narrative of the entire documentary that for some of these guys, that clock never stopped. Like Mm -hmm. the clock never picked up and the game never ended because it ruined their careers. And I was like, oh, shit. There's there's that. There's the fact that they're cutting between Reggie Miller, who is framed as Captain America and Ron Artest, who is basically the Punisher. They're showing this incredible high, both 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 career success and like moral fortitude versus this career low. there's a, a particular visual that I thought was really cool, and it, it's it's not the first time I've seen it, and I've definitely seen it other places, but it's something that I always appreciate, and it's the jerseys hanging in midair in like a neighborhood, and it mm. becomes this this visual metaphor for this particular like I the success of this person, but also the failures of this person hanging over their life like past, present, and future. Yeah, what uh, happened in this jersey is who they are. It exactly. Defines, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then they would do stuff like I don't know if they're trying to play this for a joke or not. But when they would cut to Buddy France, and he's still in the full fucking getup with the wig and the makeup and the glasses and shit. And he's having like a very serious conversation. <laughs> like <laughs> this whole thing is 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 not not even played seriously. It's it's a serious thing that happened, and it's an awful thing that is filled with 
exploitation and racism and you know the dismissal of mental illness and it's like and now we're gonna cut to this guy in full clown makeup for his hands on <laughs> like the, the funny thing about it though is is like with him it was almost like it it worked with the story because the narrative basically becomes um these guys ended up becoming the villain because of these fucking clowns yeah and and like i almost see it like this guy didn't get that he was being made fun of right you're a fucking clown come out here and dance for us clown and he was just like hell yeah i'll do it fucking woo yeah like he was excited to do this this was this was exciting for him because again it's a chance for him to show the only thing that defines him at this point i'm a fan that's all he has like think about that just for a second that you you can name Rambo maybe not because you're not a huge sports fan but <laughs> MC guaranteed you name you can name some people that are defined by their fandom mm-hmm. and that's it that's all they have that shit is and that's, sad that is really fucking sad you have no identity outside of this thing that you like and honestly whoa here we go delving it back and taking it back to the geeky nerdy shit think about that with geeks and nerds too Mm-hmm. You have no identity outside of the thing that you love. So you're mm-hmm. going to defend it and you're going to gatekeep it and you're going to stick up for it, even though it would never fucking stick up for you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Look at that parallel we just made there. A professional. God damn. Like, it just, <laughs> it's, dis- it's disgusting to me, man. Like, now, like, I kind of want to go back and watch that again and just laugh at that fool in his clown makeup. <laughs> like they, they cut to him at least once, I think twice or maybe three times. But that's the thing is every time he's he's not like, his reactions aren't like bombastic or over the top. They're so even keeled. And you have that weighed against how he looks. And it is so incongruous and such a fucking goofy juxtaposition that you're just like, it, it made me like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> like, they may as well have, like, fucking, like, interviewed Gritty or the fucking Philly fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, it was so... He just, it just, just talks in bicycle horn noises and that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, or better still, like, like sad, sad bike horn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, God, it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, the visuals of it were really impressive. It's clearly, um, honestly, it makes me want to watch more of them. Because it's even for something that that is aggressively not my forte. Um, well, there's a second it, one. Did you see oh, that there's I, another yeah, one? Yeah, no, I, I think there's going to be like a whole series of them. Yeah, there's five. It's supposed to be a five part, uh, at least five parts. No, there's a, already a second part, and it's about um, uh, deal with the devil. Yeah, that's what it's with about. Uh, uh, it's with the uh, the Olympics. If I remember. Uh, yeah, deal with the devil. There's one about Caitlyn Jenner. There's one episode four is crime and penalties. Episode five is Breakpoint. Um, I could have sworn there was one about like a musician. Yeah, deal with the devil. The show takes a turn in the true crime genre with Deal with the Devil, which chronicles the most prominent female boxer in U.S. history, Christy Martin. Yes. After yes. yeah, yeah, and I yeah I watched the preview for this and this looked like fucking fascinating. So yeah. 
Yeah. Man, so I didn't realize just how much this shit pissed me off. Y'all really tapped a vein. Uh, <laughs> I think that this is what we need to do from now on is when we're yeah. like, when we want, when we want angry Rambo, we just like, you know, we just be like, you know, it's fucking bullshit, man. Sports. Oh, God damn it. Like, just. Uh, <laughs> I'm so filled with rage on a consistent basis. And I so rarely get to like find a proper outlet for it. Oh, there we go. Like. There we we'll, go. We'll poke, we'll poke the bear every now and then for this. Um, I think what we're gonna do is we're we're gonna rotate to something that's actually like something that we all enjoyed and something that we can we can talk about because we did enjoy this. This is a really really good documentary across the board. I think all three of us, yeah, hundred percent agreement. We all really enjoyed this and it's worth your time. You guys should definitely check it out. But we're gonna go ahead and pivot. We're gonna go ahead and start a second episode where we're gonna talk uh, exclusively about Doctor Strange and talk about the What If episode um, that just came out on Wednesday on Disney Plus. So thank you all for listening. For MC Brooks, for James Rambo, my name is Mike Lunsford. And remember, folks, together there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!